Greetings, I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. Welcome. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now, if we choose to. I'm going to be concluding the special relationship between the United States of America and United Kingdom in this program. And perchance I will take it up at another time. But... Again, the President of the United States of America is going to be visiting the United Kingdom across the pond at the beginning of June, June 3rd through June 5th, before heading across the channel to France and visiting there at the invitation of Emmanuel Macron, the president of France. But first, he's going to have this state visit. State visit that is at the invitation of the Queen, the official head of state of Britain, but with the advice of the government of Theresa May. I mentioned before, in the previous two days here, made mention of David Cameron, former Prime Minister, Tory leader, conservative, oh, so conservative, who is apologizing profusely for that section, that odious Section 28, that prohibited schools from explicitly advocating for, promoting homosexuality throughout the public schools to children. Terribly conservative. You have to really be careful about these terms. Here in the United States of America, I can't stand the use of the terms liberal and conservative, personally. Liberal, the true meaning of the word liberal as it is used in the Bible, of all places, is generous, generous-spirited, not leftist, not socialist, fascist, communist, and all the rest. And, And then we further confuse it by dividing up socialism and having it be left and right instead of it all being left. But conservative, (laughs) it's used in politics, it's used in religion, and it is just a bogus term. It's one, one to be eschewed, to be avoided, because the meaning is so murky. And as you see various different individuals campaign for president of the United States, you will see the Republicans all falling all over themselves to describe themselves as conservatives. This was the case, of course, with Donald Trump. And before him, of course, then there were all of those that he was, what would you say, jousting with? I mean, so rudely, crudely, and profanely uh, prior to the general election. But going back before that, George W. Bush, who insisted on portraying himself as a conservative. John McCain, who 
attempted the same thing. It's just, anyway, it's, it is in essence a meaningless term. So forget those things I recommend and instead focus on what do these people stand for? What do they do? And on the Democrat side of the aisle in the United States of America, you will find they promote extreme overt leftism, socialism, whether they are supposedly regular Democrat or whether they are progressive and so on and so forth. Across the pond, the conservative party is anything but. And David Cameron as conservative party prime minister actively promoted sodomy and sodomite pseudo-marriage, very proudly so, boasted of it, championed it, among other things, as well as his government shutting down Christian schools which had shown themselves to be outstanding, but shutting them down because they were not sufficiently preparing children, children, 11 to 13 years of age and so forth, not sufficiently preparing them for the new Britain and its new culture, its new pro-Sodomite culture and pro-Islam culture. But anyway, that conservative David Cameron, who I believe is the one who he and his wife left their eight-year-old daughter at a pub one Sunday accidentally. But I digress. So the president is going to the United Kingdom, Great Britain. It's very exciting. And we have this very special relationship And you hear it referenced over and over and over. Next time you watch Love Actually, if you do watch that movie, which has some good things about it, but that movie is so profane, so full of vile, lewd profanity and a great deal of blaspheming of God and his Christ. But... The writer-director of that movie, who's very talented, very successful, he boasts of his use of profanity and so forth. Proud of it. Insists on it. Literally boasts about it. But, But next time you see that, if you see that, you will hear... Hugh Grant referenced the special relationship between the United States of America and the United Kingdom in his address when he is hosting the licentious, terrible president of the United States of America. (laughs) Uh, And he goes on about, he loves that word relationship, (laughs) covers a multitude of sins. Well, the special relationship, unfortunately, 
of the United Kingdom, Great Britain, and the United States of America actually comes down to something much more profound than what it is described as being. And that is this, something much more profound, something much more ruinous, and that is this, is that as Great Britain, as the United Kingdom continues to deteriorate each and every year, the United States of America obligingly follows in its footsteps. That's the relationship. And it's just that the United Kingdom usually, in most of these matters, precedes the United States of America. But they will be commemorating D-Day. That's right. That invasion of Nazi-occupied France. That invasion that was principally the work of the United States of America and Great Britain, but in which there were also forces from Australia and so forth. As we look back to World War II, to Vietnam, to the war between the states known as the Civil War, to the war for independence known as the Revolutionary War, to the Spanish-American War, and so on and so forth. Not to mention the Gulf War, one and two. We see great loss of life, great suffering, not just Huge numbers of dead, but huge numbers of maimed, mutilated, horribly shattered lives. To use a term that is used in order to avoid being more explicit, I'll just say, And that includes men being unmanned. Currently, a great wave of that over in Iraq and Afghanistan here in our adventures over there, courtesy of IEDs, improvised explosive devices, combined with, twinned with the more highly developed medical techniques enabling maimed, mutilated soldiers to be saved. And a great many of them would prefer not to be, I think. But as we look back on the terrible toll the sacrifice by so many. Let me just ask the question, was it worth it? Was it worth it? Should they have suffered and died? Oh, yes, well, the Civil War, so-called, the terribly, terribly, grievously 
uncivil civil war. I happen, as I've mentioned before, I have ancestors on both sides, North and South, Union and Confederacy, as well as some ancestors who were not involved. But that war was an orchestrated war, regardless how much you may worshipfully respect Abraham Lincoln or not, it was an orchestrated war (laughs) by President Lincoln. But that was a war of aggression against the South, against Southerners who the initial leaders, many of them were vain and arrogant and foolish and foolhardy, but who nonetheless were exercising a constitutionally guaranteed right to secede from the Union. And the Union, under the presidency of Abraham Lincoln, punished the South by crushing it and destroying it as best it could. But I digress. But the question is, Has it been worth the suffering? Has it been worth the toll? In each war, those who have gone, those who have fought, those who have bled and died, have done so to preserve this nation. Now, going back to the war for independence, that was before this nation had a federal government. It was the colonies. But it was still to preserve this country, the people of this country, and to provide them with freedom, liberty. But not freedom and liberty for license, for lewdness, for profaneness, for perversion for rebellion against God. That was never the intention. But that's what we have gotten here in the United States of America and in the United Kingdom and in Europe, the continent, and elsewhere. Everywhere you find the same thing. Now, you could attribute that to different things. You could say, well, So many of the best and the brightest, so many of the godliest, the most courageous, were killed off. So many of the worst were left behind. So for those lovers of Darwinian evolution, (laughs) you have a winnowing out of the best and leaving the worst. I happen to know Darwinian evolution is a lie built on a lie, wrapped in a lie. But nonetheless, for those who subscribe to it, they could look at it that way, but they wouldn't look at it that way because their whole frame of reference, mindset, life view, typically referred to as worldview, <laughs> is, is not Christian. But... Has it been worth it for the United States of America and Great Britain 
and the continent and so forth to debase and degrade themselves for their governments to punish godliness, righteousness, decency, and to promote perversity, wickedness, evil, and to fail to punish slaughterers, destroyers, and so forth. Has it been worth it? And I say categorically no. No. It's been in vain. It's been in futility. At the same time, that's not to say it shouldn't have been done. It's just to say that the result is eventually, ultimately, no different than if none of that struggle had taken place. Sadly, tragically. And as you look at... You have to be careful about numbers and statistics because they can be manipulated and they can be so badly off and so on and so forth. But just some general factoid numbers that I've shared before with regard to World War II death counts. Again, this is not including maimed and mutilated and crippled and paralyzed and brain injured and all of the other things, burned and what have you. But The death toll of Jews. (laughs) I was fascinated to find so many different figures, ranging from 4 million to 6 million Jews. Of the 11 million targeted by Hitler, in addition to the many millions of Christians... These were murdered by Hitler's Nazi Third Reich. Then there were supposedly approximately 25 million military deaths in World War II. Approximately 45 million civilian deaths. Now, there are other death counts which come up with Different figures, okay, Uh, uh, 78 plus million deaths, of which 67% were civilian. So, you know, pick your numbers, okay, 69 million, more than 78 million, and so forth. And again, with regard to that latter figure, they have a higher percentage of civilian than in the previous. But then over 40 million people displaced. What does that mean? Homeless and with no home to go back to in case, you know, in case they had one that they have been removed from, that they have fled from, no home to go back to over 40 million people. Now, the overwhelming majority of those people were children and women. Why is that? Well, just so happened that, again, most of the men were involved in the war one way or another, whether as soldiers or as slave laborers, so forth. 
approximately one million orphaned children in Poland alone. Well, and after all of that terrible evil, then, of course, the Soviet Union really gets going, in addition to what Joseph Stalin has already done. And he murders more than 60 million Russians, Russians, Georgians, Ukrainians, and so forth. But they bore the brunt of it, the white Russians, so-called, murdered by his communist regime during his reign of terror. That's a bigger, more horrendous death toll than Hitler managed to roll up with his Reich. Wanton destruction of Jews and Christians. And the numbers of the murdered Jews and Christians have been variously underestimated as being as low, as low, I said. (laughs) Uh, Well, again, these figures, you just can't believe them. But at least, we're talking about at least as many Jews and Christians as murdered by Hitler. Just for, you know, rough figures. At least as many. By Joseph Stalin's Soviet communist regime. Why mention these things? It's so unpleasant. But to come back to the UK and USA. If we believe man, if we believe the wise and wonderful leaders of the world, the Theresa Mays, David Cameron's, Donald Trump's, Joe Biden's, and so forth. Then we believe, of course, that such things as this will never happen again. There may be a rogue regime here or there, such as North Korea, which miraculously is now headed up, led by a fellow whom our president trusts and takes at his word and whom he believes is a great leader for North Korea, for North Korean people. Only wants the best for them. If we do not believe these great leaders, like Germany's Merkel and all of the other wonderful leaders that are out there, Macron and so forth, if instead we believe something historical, historically accurate, the Bible, then these figures concerning World War II should be particularly disturbing. Why is that? Well, we could look, I could give you numbers concerning the so-called Civil War instead. Horrendous loss of life. Or, of course, from Vietnam and so forth. But 
World War II, I think, is especially constructive because it is the most vast world war we've had. As terrible, as monstrous as World War I was, World War II then eclipses that. But according to the Bible, we have a time fast, fast approaching in which there will be a world regime that will include all nations, including the United Kingdom and United States of America, and in which this all-conquering, all-consuming, all-enslaving regime will exceed and eclipse all regimes prior to it. It will exceed the Soviet Union, Communist Red China, Pol Pot's Khmer Rouge in Cambodia, Nazi Third Reich, everything else combined. Combined. It will see the reality, the realization of what some luminary, visionary, humanitarian leaders desire have spoken explicitly concerning their desire to see happen. Namely, Prince Philip. That's right, Queen Elizabeth II's husband, Prince Philip, who has said that when he dies, he hopes to come back, you know, be reincarnated, come back as a killer virus and rid the world of, you know, two or more billion people. We have Ted Turner, wonderful philanthropist, wonderful charitable man, the single largest landowner in the United States of America, who wanted some years ago to see the population of the world reduced to 2 billion people. It's currently, what, about 8 billion? He, but here some years ago, back when it was a mere, I don't know, 6, six billion or so, he wanted to see that population reduced to 2 billion in order to save the world. And Prince Philip, heavily involved, I believe, one of the founders of World Wildlife Fund and so on and so forth. Very charitable people. Prince Philip is very close to Prince Harry. So Prince Philip may be passing on sometime in the near future, but we can count on Prince William and Prince Harry to carry on in his footsteps, not to mention their father, Prince Charles. But if the Bible is to be believed, then of course, of course it's not. Of course, the Bible is just not to be believed. Instead, all of these great experts are to be believed. Believe Dr. Phil before you believe the Bible, right? Believe Bill Clinton and Hillary Rodham Clinton before you believe the Bible. Believe Albert Arnold Gore Jr. before you believe the Bible. Yes. Believe the Koran. And that crackpot, false prophet, satanic, sadistic, monstrous, mass murderer, destroyer, Muhammad, 
before you believe the Bible and Jesus Christ. Yes, and according to Publishers Clearinghouse, 96 million Americans read their horoscopes daily. My, and I thought we were supposed to be so advanced. I thought we were supposed to be so intellectual and so sophisticated. Oh, my. Well, going back to the U.K., you know, some of the things that that are mentioned with regard to this coming regime are that it will be a cashless society. It doesn't express it that way, but it infers it. That no one will be able to buy or sell without having the name or the number or the mark of the leader referred to as the beast imprinted in their right hand or their forehead. So that bespeaks... (laughs) At least there are, there are a great many who have seen that as meaning it is a cashless society. And indeed, all of our developed nations, our highly developed nations, the richest, most powerful nations in the world, have been moving steadily to a cashless mandate. And in the United Kingdom, and this goes back years ago, This goes back six years ago, seven years ago, eight years ago. They have been moving steadily that way to remove cash as an option for traveling by bus, for traveling by train. And imagine that. That's not just, that's not buying and selling in the in the sense that most of us think of that buying and selling it's not like going to the grocery store it's not like putting something on ebay <laughs> instead it's a matter of just being able to travel to and from but united kingdom is out there at the forefront and we are following close behind before i continue let me just say this i'm brad thomas And this is after all is said and done. And whatever is right and true and good and accurate in this program is thanks to God Almighty and His Holy Son, Jesus Christ. Whatever is lacking, erring, deficient, that's due to me. That's on me. All right? Well, the British government, which again is terribly advanced, terribly advanced, as are we. It is now recruiting teenagers to be the next generation of spies. Well, what's interesting about this, this is unheard of, is to recruit what they refer to in Britain as school leavers. No, that does not mean school dropouts, but that does mean those who will not proceed with post-secondary education those who will not go to college. This is something new and revolutionary because heretofore, the intelligence agencies, they drew their staff from university graduates and even postgraduates, and now they are actively recruiting those who are not going beyond high school or they're what is... (laughs) 
what is their equivalent of our high school. And they will be staffing their headquarters, their intelligence headquarters, and some of them will then migrate over to MI5 and MI6. I just think that is fascinating. You know, what it reminds me of is here in the United States of America, our law enforcement agencies and our military, in which soldiers are not well-versed, if versed at all, in some extremely critical matters such as constitutional rights. And how much more likely is it, do you imagine, that teenagers would be (laughs) less likely to have done any additional outside study concerning such things? I'm not even talking about formal education. Then I'm talking about young people fresh out of high school or whatever they refer to it in the United Kingdom as. Once upon a time long ago, people were schooled, educated, more effectively more thoroughly concerning the matters that really are of import by young ages, by 14 years of age, 15 years of age, 16 years of age. And some would go on to college at 14 years of age. Of course, some savants and and brilliant ones and so forth still do that, don't they? But, But now... So many 18-year-olds here in the United States of America, they know what they've been taught, maybe, you know, about how right, wrong things are and how wrong, right things are, how good, evil things are and how evil, good things are. But other than that, and other than their technological expertise using smartphones and computers and so forth, How much do they know of what is really important? Of course, I mean, they are not even permitted to learn the Ten Commandments. Oh, my. No, no, no. No, that that might cause, who knows what that might cause. You know, all manner of, I don't know, guilt complexes and self-reproach. I don't know. I don't know what is the, you know, obviously there is danger. There is great danger from learning the Ten Commandments. Much better to learn corruption and perversity than just the mere Ten Commandments. Uh, But the great leftist brain trust leaders of the past, back in the 1700s, 1800s, 1900s, up to today, they have, as a core tenet of their mission, focused on denying young people the truth and corrupting and perverting them with lies. But, anyway, we know better, don't we, in the Western world. So, what is it we can look forward to 
in the future, according to, again, the Bible of all things. Well, the Word of God states that there will be a last regime that will be categorically different from every regime that has preceded it. Yes, various theologians, false teachers, hireling ministers, will say, oh, obviously that pertained to World War II. (laughs) That doesn't pertain to today or in the future, certainly not. And they twist and they pervert the Word of God, or they're just completely ignorant of it one way or another. But a regime which makes all previous evil regimes pale in comparison, pale by comparison, imagine that if you can which is more destructive, more systematically destructive, more thoroughly evil, and which is serving Satan. For those of you who don't believe there is a Satan, well, the United States Army does. You know, after all, years and years and years ago, I mean a long time ago, decades ago now, They spent a mere 500, what was it, million? I don't know. It was a modest figure. But it may have been as little as 500,000. I mean, it's been so long now. But indoctrinating army chaplains in how to minister to members of the Church of Satan in the army without evangelizing them, without witnessing to them, without sharing the Word of God with them, but ministering to them. (laughs) All right. (laughs) But anyway, this regime that is coming, according to the Bible, you know, can you trust that? I mean, after all, maybe we should go by TV Guide or People Magazine or Marie Claire or something like that instead, you know, or the Kardashians or something. But According to the Word of God, this last regime will consume the earth. It will absolutely enslave the entirety of the world. Under the leadership of one leader, top leader, known as the beast. But he will not come on the scene first. Before that, there will be ten kings Now, I don't know if this really means kings. Maybe they're just, you know, leaders, the ultimate leaders of their given nations, national leaders, totalitarian, authoritarian leaders that shall rise up very suddenly, all in mass, and they shall give the use of their nations to that leader that shall rise. And whom shall subdue three of those ten? But obviously, those kings or those leaders cannot, reasonably thinking, they cannot merely be some dictators of some so-called banana republics. That won't cut it, folks. Not on this earth. Not when we have nuclear superpowers in Russia, in communist China, and so forth. Not when we have nuclear powers like India and Pakistan and we have 
nuclear powers, France, Germany, Britain, and then the United States of America. United States of America is, of course, an exceedingly less intimidating nuclear superpower than it used to be, than it was prior to Barack Hussein Obama's reign in the United States of America. But these kings are supposed to be heavyweights, okay? They have got serious gravitas. They have nations of wealth and power, military might to combine under the rulership of this one leader known as the Beast. Sounds like a warm, friendly kind of a fellow, doesn't he? The Beast. But United Kingdom is a small nation. And when I hear United Kingdom, I typically think weakness. And I think it because the British... The British English that is spoken by so many is so weak-sounding. And what British leaders have stood for for ages now has been something less than impressively strong and powerful and bold and what have you. It has bespoken weakness. But nonetheless, it is a military power. It is a nuclear power. It has intelligence agencies known around the world. It has special forces, the SAS, known around the world. Those intelligence agencies being MI5, MI6, their domestic security, their foreign intelligence agencies, so forth. But it is a power. It is a power economically. So too with France, so too with Germany. If you put all three of those together and throw in Italy and Norway and Sweden and Netherlands and Belgium and Poland and Portugal and Spain and what have you, you won't have as much might as you have in Russia or in China. But nonetheless, these are powers. And sure enough, in Britain there is a monarchy, a constitutional monarchy, I'll grant you, but it's a monarchy. And so we also have these monarchies in Spain and Netherlands and so forth, some of these places. Sweden, Norway. But imagine for a moment ten leaders termed kings. Maybe they are, maybe they aren't. I tend to think they are. I actually believe these are going to be kings, right? But whether they are officially kings, monarchs, or not, they will enjoy authority over their nations. And they will submit their authority to one world leader, one world regime. And guess what? The United Kingdom and the United States of America will capitulate, will willingly, apparently, submit to the authority of one supreme world ruler. 
Shocking, but true. Yes, we have the disarmed (laughs) British people, except for the gangs, 200-plus gangs, a great many of them black gangs, principally black gangs, apparently, according to (laughs) advertising there in Britain. But they don't have any problem getting weapons, those gangs, but civilians, they are unarmed. Unlike in the United States of America, which is supposed to follow the lead of Britain. It seems as if it's every day. It's at least every week. We hear about more bloodbath in Chicago. The city I associate with Barack Hussein Obama and Rahm Emanuel and so forth. But we hear about these terrible bloodlettings. And 99% of the time, it seems to be gang warfare between gangs, black gangs in Chicago. And so there is a great outcry in Washington, D.C. and all the national media here in the United States of America that bans must be placed upon gun ownership. We must... Get rid of guns. We must take the guns away from the people. After all, what about Britain? Well, Britain did, of course. Australia, you know, just think UK and British Commonwealth stripped the citizens of their ability to defend themselves from the evil. Even as Adolf Hitler and his Nazi Third Reich did, even as Joseph Stalin and his Soviet regime did, Strip the law-abiding, peaceful, honorable, noble citizens of the ability to protect themselves and their families and loved ones. And then you will have peace. According to Hitler, they were going to have peace after that. But lo and behold, interestingly enough, in Britain, in Great Britain, decades after banning gun ownership and confiscating all firearms from citizens, what do we have? Decades afterwards, what do we have? We have the hundreds of gangs, black gangs in London, having no problem obtaining firearms and not just semi-automatic handguns, but apparently fully automatic handguns submachine guns, and so forth. And using them to slaughter not just one another, but innocent citizens. Decades after firearms being banned. Yes, decades after firearms being banned in Great Britain, who has guns still to this day? The black gangs. So when we hear of the gang violence especially in Chicago, and oh, and that it's firearm-related deaths, I think perhaps people in the United States of America should consider the example of the British and that it has been less than effectual. No, those who are not law-abiding will not, was shockingly enough, not abide by firearms bans. Yes. But anyway, so we have this regime that is coming. Well, it's going to have, of course, 
a cakewalk with the likes of United Kingdom and European Union. And very probably with the government of the United States of America. United States of America. Yes, it may have a little difficulty with, oh, you know, some of these loathsome kind of people, the ones that were demonized, vilified and demonized by... When I say demonized, I don't mean that they, <laughs> that they were possessed by demons. I mean rather that they were made out to be demonic by Bill Clinton and Hillary Rodham Clinton. The militia, the militias, the Christians, <laughs> the patriots, you know, these terrible evil people. But there may be some resistance from them. But from the government, the government is going to capitulate, along with the other governments of the world. Now, which ten will be the ten led by leaders who will exercise such power over them that then they hand their nations over to a worldwide regime? And that they actually count for something, that that leader of the worldwide regime actually cares about them as compared to this little, <laughs> this little nation or this large nation which has next to no power and riches and so forth. The focus will be on those that have military might, preferably nuclear powers, large standing armies, and wealth. And the United States of America, of course, fits neatly in that group. And I think we can look forward to the United States of America playing a, what is known as signal, in years gone by, a signal role in that regime. Namely, a very large part in the evil doings of that regime. But let's not forget about Britain. Britain is a nuclear power and has might. This last regime will not leave UK and USA alone to enjoy their special relationship. They will bring that special relationship to some into the fold and will make them part of the most monstrous regime that has ever existed on this earth to do its will. And how ironic that the Brits, oh my, you know, they can't put absolute monstrous, hellish, terrorist murderers in prison for longer than five years. It just would be wrong. It would violate their human rights. And lo and behold, (laughs) they're going to be capitulating to the most monstrous regime there's ever been. If you look back at the histories in communist China, what is now communist China, former Soviet Union, and elsewhere, always there were those of the left, the extreme left, the socialists, communists, fascists, what have you, that brought the evil regimes into power, and then those evil regimes did away with those who brought them into power. It happened over and over and over again. It's going to happen again. It's coming, and it's coming soon. Personally, I believe it will be before 
2029. I'm afraid it will be well before 2029. Something not to be looking forward to, not to be desiring this terrible, evil, worst chapter of human history immediately preceding the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. But it is coming, and that regime will bear down all of its might upon Christians, upon Jews, upon law-abiding people, upon peaceful, kind, loving, gentle people worldwide. It's drawing near, regardless what the leaders in these nations have to say to the contrary. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now if we choose to. Thank you.